Welcome to the Castle Creek Launchpad podcast series. I'm Catherine Kane, and for our first episode, I've invited a fund advisory board member, Ryan Hildebrand, who has a background in both fintech and banking. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Catherine. Appreciate you having me here. You have a lot of interesting experience. Do you want to give us a quick overview of that? So I am... uh... Currently, the president of LSBX, uh, which is a division of Lincoln Savings Bank, uh, really focused on uh, banking as a service, uh, as well as payments and lending, uh, really that sponsor partnership bank. Um, I'm also the strategic innovation officer at Lincoln Savings Bank. I started my career in banking as the accounting manager at Umqua Bank, was VP of finance at really one of the first neobanks in the US, a company called Simple. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also uh, a founder of my own uh, neobank, which is the, really the first small business neobank uh, in the country. It was a company called Seed. Uh, sold that that business um, after raising a bunch of venture capital to Cross River Bank, where at Cross River, I ran partnerships on the banking as a service uh, and payment side. Tell me about your work at LSBX and Lincoln Savings. You know, Lincoln Savings Bank is a, a $1.6 billion asset bank. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's based in uh, central Iowa, uh, really some of the most fertile soil in the world, predominantly very focused in the early days in agriculture, mm-hmm. Six, 17 branches, but is really now a, a strong commercial retail and agricultural bank. And LSBX is is the fintech division that's really focused on banking as a service, payments and lending. You know, LSBX began back in 2014. So really one of the pioneers in the, in the partnership space, really started partnerships with Capital, the Q, which is a, a company that's actually headquartered out of uh, New York and Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, oh, wow. It was one of the, the, the early consumer neobanks. So really, uh, they've been a partner since 2014. And we had uh, Square. So really one of the, the the first partner banks to work with Square, launching oh, wow. uh, Square Cash. We've added Acorns over the years, M1 Finance. Uh, LSBX was started when the bank itself had about 30,000 customers. Within about a year, year's time, the the, the program grew from 30,000 to 3 million. Um, LSBX and LSB are somewhere around the kind of the 40th, the 41st largest bank slash issuer uh, in the country based on mm-hmm. the, the number of uh, end customers. Really, it's, a, it's an advantage to have uh, my role fit across um, both the bank and the, and the partnership group. It really gives me the ability to both uh, understanding the core community bank itself, help uh, things move uh, move forward uh, digitally within our footprint, um, but also look at how we can scale nationally with some very key products um, and services. But also, you know, the work that I do on the core community bank also helps helps our LSBX and, and becoming a stronger partnership organization. How does one influence the other? LSBX is not successful without LSB being successful. Really, really solid risk tenants. Um, operational mm-hmm. tenants. Those things are really uh, allow um, LSBX to be successful. We're able to to make sure that we have a solid foundation, then we're able to grow. So I spend a lot of time working to to cement that foundation and continue to to build that. Uh, we're fortunate to have some really amazing talent on both risk and operational fronts. Do you see projects you're working on and LSBX influence technology initiatives within LSB? Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, you know that we we. We have many, many conversations with um, partners on both the technology front. Makes sense where we think about, you know, should they be a LSBX partner or, or should we also partner with them to be able to digitize and, and, and really bring into the future uh, some of the things we're doing on the, in the core bank itself. So we're looking at um, digital account opening. Um, we're working on offering that to both consumers and businesses across the nation. And so we, we see that as an opportunity. We see um, being able to, to surface um, those solutions to our fintech partners as well. Uh, making it 
mm-hmm. making it seamless. Um, so there's there's a lot, definitely a lot of overlap um, when we think about um, both both groups. Are there any sort of standout examples? Some of the things that we're doing on on the lending front, uh, specifically uh, on the SBA side, um, we are uh, the number one SBA lender in, in Iowa. the The group was started you know, probably four or five years ago at this point, and we've we've rapidly grown that business. Um, and so I think there's a there's a there's a long runway there. I think we're we're working on bringing on um, kind of a national kind of presence for the group. And mm-hmm. um, with that, um, we're having numerous uh, conversations with um, non-bank lenders um, on the on the LSPX side to be able to partner with them to be able to be our kind of our referral broker source. The thing that they're most interested in is that there is a uh, an easy on-ramp to be able to on-ramp their customers. Um, they want to provide the same great customer experience to to their uh, customers as as as. Uh, there with their their non-bank lending products uh, to our SBA products. And so we, we've got a number of uh, partnerships in the works on that front um, to make it easy to refer over that, that business. So it kind of blends together, um, you know, the partnership relationship side of LSBX with the core business that we're doing on the, on the SBA side. When I first met you, you were in the process of launching your own fintech company, Seed. Do you want to tell me kind of about that journey? I learned a lot. Let's put it that way. And uh, uh-huh. it's uh, starting a startup from scratch with just myself and my my co-founder. It was a, it was a great experience. Um, we went out and raised about eight million dollars. Uh, did Y Combinator. You know, really uh, learned a lot about you know how to how to grow things from a, a, a fintech uh, startup customer acquisition standpoint. The premise of Seed was really providing great technology, great service. Uh, really focused on. Um, the bank account side, so the deposit piece, the uh, debit card piece. Um, really, at the time, there wasn't anyone that was focused on this, creating this neobank um, experience. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of first first to market with it. So um, it was difficult for us to find bank partners, obviously not having a charter ourselves. Uh, so we mm-hmm. went out and we partnered, actually, our first partnership with a small community bank here in Oregon, uh, oh. where I live. And mm-hmm. we kind of had to hack the system. In fact, ended up getting a job at the bank, getting minimum wage, just to learn the ins and outs of what it works within a community bank itself. So we, you know, we worked from that standpoint. We realized that if we wanted to grow, uh, we needed a larger balance sheet. Um, so we ended up partnering with uh, the Bancor Bank, which was one of the few mm-hmm. partner banks that existed at the time. This was. Right. Uh, about eight years ago, you know, really uh, worked uh, through the challenges of figuring out where I think many banks um, and, and really the regulators looked at opening up business bank accounts. It, it was seemed as uh, not doable uh, opening up bank accounts online, uh, mobile without doing such things like site visits, seeing folks in person, getting, you know, all authorized signees um, for multiple owners on the account. Um, so there was a lot of work that had to be done. Um, we met with the FDIC on numerous occasions, mm-hmm. trying to get folks kind of comfortable with being able to open up bank accounts in all 50 states. You know, we continued to progress building things out from that perspective. Um, we ended up opening up thousands of accounts in uh, all 50 states, uh, something that took us a couple years to do, to get the product launched. And then customer acquisition was kind of the next step. And it made sense for us to team up with a bank that was doing really great things in the fintech space. So we went out and ran a process and talked to many banks out there, ended up selecting Cross River Bank mm-hmm. and there um, really saw the opportunity to kind of grow the partnership business with my myself and my co-founders uh, desire to really help other startups uh, kind of uh, make fintech partnerships better for that business specifically, uh, banking as a service, launching a new program that they didn't have that in place. 
and then um, really growing a, a solid payments business um, out out into the wild. How similar or different do you feel sponsor banks are? The bank partnership space has really, really grown. You know, I think when we started at Simple, there wasn't a lot of choice. Um, and mm-hmm. since then, um, I, th- I think now there's probably 150 to 200 banks, at least, if not more, in the country that are participating in partnerships, right? So there's a lot more mm-hmm. options. There's folks that are doing various different niches when it comes to that. So you've got folks that are very focused on, you know, lending. So I would say Cross River, Web Bank, Celtic Bank have built a really strong business around consumer and business lending sponsorships. I think you have banks that are in Green Dot, uh, folks like that. Um, there's a long list that goes after that. And then there's there's folks that are coming onto the scene that are, you know, really, really getting into the space and trying to learn that um, is, is really actually uh, good for both fintech and fintech banking, in my mind, I don't think that I look at uh, any banks as really overly competitive. I think there's so much opportunity out there mm-hmm. that you know it's really around you know building a niche and building you know a a really core focus on providing great uh, great service to to fintech partners out there and, and embedded financed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the regulatory environment continues to get tightened up, which is good. Um, it's mm-hmm. good for, um, you know, making sure that the system is intact, um, but it's going to definitely put a lot of pressure on on partnership banks and especially new partnership banks. If I were a CEO of a community bank and thinking about entering the sponsorship space, what's the top recommendation that you'd have? Someone that wants to, and a bank that wants to get into the space more, I think you you have to hire folks that have been there and done that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, specifically in in risk and compliance. You know, you need to have folks that that understand it. I think you need to hire folks that are really talented, um, that have been in the space on kind of the product and business set. So, folks that you know potentially have been at fintechs or founded fintechs. The the combination that works really well is folks that have been on both sides. You know, advice would be is focus on a specific uh, niche, uh, something that's differentiated. Something that you can mm-hmm. test, learn, rinse, and repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to invest in this. There's not going to be a complete overnight success on this. I think uh, it it does take work. Um, it does take effort. There's an investment that needs to take place, and I think everyone on the management team, on the operational risk folks, as well as up to the board, need to be bought in to work making this work. Otherwise, um, it's not it's not worth the the time and the effort and the money that's going to be spent on it if uh, if there's not top down and bottoms up excitement about uh, the efforts. What do you think is one of the most important things for bankers to understand about fintech startups? You know, there's always going to be a, a a balance of needing to push and, you know, a lot of the things on the on the bank side require a process, require, you know, a procedures require the ability to go about things in the right way so that there isn't uh, a regulatory or operational foul. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of that needs to happen. And so I think you have to, to realize that fintechs obviously are, are always running out of money, uh, at least in the early days, mm-hmm. and they've got to have show traction on, on some sort. And so the, the, the better position to really help um, those companies succeed while at the same time maintaining a you know really strong foundation to protect the integrity of the bank and the bank charter, um, it's it's really important. So there's a, there's a fine line that's always going to have to be walked on it. And so the mm-hmm. the ability to kind of focus and have a small group focused on helping support the the partnership and being able to kind of unblock some of the larger things is always going to be super important across the board. Looking ahead, what are you excited about? 
I'm, I'm actually more excited about the things that are kind of more in the world of fintech boring, better user experience, better marketing, better mm-hmm. customer service, faster decision making on loans, faster decision on you know opening up accounts. All these things that, you know, on the fintech side, you take for granted because that's just in the DNA of, of a company is, is those mm-hmm. things. Things that we're, we're super excited about are just bread and butter things, but being really, really good at it. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your insights and thank all of you for listening. We shall be returning with more podcasts.